You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Does how you get your stuff to the crag really matter that much? Couldn't you just throw it in a hefty bag and sling it over your shoulder or drag it up the trail to most cliffs just fine? Probably. But as long as we're on about things that don't matter, remember that the sun will eventually atomize the planet and suck it all into a black hole including that beautiful rack you just finished accumulating. So does anything really matter? Well, disregarding that existential crisis, maybe it's time for a new pack from Black Diamond that looks better, carries better, and just says, I have my shit together. You can trust me. By the way, shoes dangling outside your pack? Red flag. For starters, Black Diamond's Creek 50 has become a legendary all-day crag pack with haul bag durability and a smooth finish. The new Transit series takes the same sleek, no flim-flam design to the streets with tight little packs for your on-foot commute, rolling to the gym, travel, or just running down to the coffee shop to get internet and update your insta-face-my-tweet-tick-tube. Black Diamond also has mini packs for long routes, duffels for the gym, big packs for you kitchen sink types, lightweight running and alpine packs. All the packs. And guess what? They even have climbing packs without ice axe loops. Most of us don't need the ice axe loops, you guys. So to get the right packs to do what you want and only what you want from the climbers at Black Diamond, go to blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the... uh Normo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. That's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. I'll see. really yeah. should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is July 14th, 2022, about 10 a.m. here in Colorado, and this is episode 245 of the Enormacast, a conversation with four-time returned guests. This is his fourth appearance, one of your favorites, one of my favorites, James Lucas. Yeah, James is back for a deep convo. A little bit different this one. Some good laughs, but we go dark as well. I think that there's nobody who's more honest on the podcast than James Lucas. We get we get full James. He doesn't pull a punch. He doesn't edit himself. We get it all from James. And I think James is always a good litmus test of what's going on out there in the climbing world, in the deep climbing community. He's there for it. He observes it. He lives it. And he reports back to us. So we appreciate you, James. Okay, man, it's been hectic around here. Got back from a long vacation with 
the family turn around and heading up to Lander today. Be up there hopefully late this afternoon. Leave as soon as I get this thing popped out to you guys. Birthed from my metaphorical loins, as it were. So I hope to see you there. Or probably, if you're listening to this, I hope I saw you there. Because it's unlikely you'll hear it beforehand. Hope we had a good time together. I hope we had a bone to pick about something I said and we worked it out. I hope I returned that email that you told me you sent me. I hope I had a sticker for you right there in my warm back pocket. All right, so let's get to James. Do we have to introduce James? I mean, I guess maybe there's some new listeners popping in that have never heard James on the show. This is his fourth appearance. And frankly, if you go back through his other three up to this point, he's been here through the entire history of the Enormacast. Um, his first interview was very early on in the program. Get sort of a memoir of James Lucas as he's gone along through climbing, through relationships, through ups, through downs. Perhaps James is most famous for being one of the few Red Point soloists. So if you haven't heard the other ones, go back and check them out. Maybe go first. Maybe do a, a completist reminiscing of James Lucas. Go back to number one before you even listen to this. Do the second one, do the third one, and get here. Spend your whole day with James. All right, enough of my blabber, and i got to get on the road. So let's get to it. My friend, your friend, the Enormacast friend, James Lucas. When it comes to Sportiva, I often praise the longevity of their venerated classics like the Mira. Because, well, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Italian Baroque, that is. But as we know, I'm a stick in the mud whose glory days are well behind him. But you, dear listener, still have your best days waiting to jump out at you like a puppy wearing a backpack full of caramel corn. So hey, forward thinkers, let's take a gander at what's new over at Sportiva.com. The redesigned Cantana Lace is an absolute edging machine. The updated Tarantula line provides comfort and performance at a price point for everybody. The TX2 Evo adds even more performance to Sportiva's stow-and-go approach shoes. And the new Mantra is a minimalist slipper so light and flowy, you'll swear you accidentally showed up to the gym in only your underwear. Just like in that dream you had last night. Don't worry, I just looked down too. So when it comes to keeping you thinking ahead, Sportiva is there with innovation at every turn. Why not see what's up and head over to Sportiva.com or follow them on Instagram. And remember, Sportiva is a proud sponsor of the Enormacast. So tell me about your dance classes. In high school, there's this kid who, he was really into dancing. He like knew how to pop and lock a little bit. I was like, oh wow, that's pretty sweet. And like tried a little bit with him. And then <clears throat> after I finished high school, I went to the University of Vermont for a semester. This guy who lived in my dorm room, we had like a quad setup he um he used to dance with the floor lords in boston like some legit breakdance crew uh -huh. he was really good and really into it and he was like yeah we can dance like three or four days a week or more and so me and him we started this like small group where there's four or five teenage kids from charlottesville or virgins a little south of burlington that would come meet up with us we'd all go and dance in the racquetball courts at uh, UVM. And uh, we did that for like, uh, I guess, four or five months. Right. Like a, a ton, uh, like a couple days a week. I got really into dancing for a while. 
And then... Were you ever so in it that you'd go like shovel the snow off? <laughs> off the like, courts? Off, off the courts? Like, like, um, like wax the linoleum? Yeah, like <laughs> like the real thing or whatever, the bouldering movie where they had to clean all the the snow off the, the font boulders? Oh, uh, yeah. No, I wasn't that. Okay. I wasn't that I was motivated. Because I Vermont. Like, yeah, eventually, yeah. Yeah. Eventually, uh, tennis court dance season's over. <laughs> yeah, totally. You, you can't do it. But you got a lot out of that. Yeah, I got a lot out of it. And then when I uh, like left school for like, I just did a semester there. And then I was like, uh, I like need to do something with my life. And it was like, oh, I could like get really into dancing more. I like that. Or I could like get into this rock climbing thing. I got more into rock climbing. Uh-huh. But when I moved to Yosemite, I was still really psyched on dancing for a while and uh, was pretty into it. And I met this another employee uh at the concessionaire and we would dance sometimes and then i also like got uh some cardboard and had it in curry village and like would try and like work on my six step and some of my like windmill moves like outside of my my tent cabin like mikey schaefer has distinct memories of that he i remember it. seeing videos of you dancing yeah yeah like you put some stuff on social media yeah like a lot yeah of you dancing uh-huh i'm right re- i'm right re- into it like i Pretty much at night, I'll, I'll like drive out of the, the canyon to go and sit at like city market mm-hmm. and watch TikTok videos of someone like dancing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she kind of, I, it's funny that you say that because that's one of my like sort of little indulgences on, I don't have TikTok, but it all right. leaks over to Instagram now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I love the, I love, a, I follow a bunch of dance stuff. Yeah. It's not that different from climbing. Right. Like it's, just like this choreographed routine where you're moving your body around a lot. I mean, the thing, the big difference is that when you're climbing, you're like grabbing holds and there's like a visceral uh, sensation mm-hmm. of like uh, the rock on your, on your hand or in your fingers or however, like your body in space. Whereas like when you're dancing, there's no like outward uh, force that right. like makes you feel like, you know what you're, doing or what's going on you're just kind of like moving your limbs around and and what's your uh, what are your sort of is it goal oriented like do you have like i i have do you have like i want to do this type of move i want to i mean i know breakdancing sort of right had that kind of vibe to it yeah like, where can people you pull that yeah this off this like stunt or move off yeah like my buddy at uh uvm he could do right. like air flares which is kind of like you know when you're on a pommel horse and mm-hmm. people like kind of scissor their sure. legs around he could do that on his, on his hands. On his hands. Yeah. Uh, while, That's sick. While like flipping upside down. Right. Like he, he was really good. But I don't really have any ambitions like that. Because I lived through the very first wave of breakdancing like right. as a kid. Like that. Like electric boogaloo. Yeah. Like yeah. that happened when I was, you know, like in seventh grade. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it was like raid in the wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the sort of dances, like people doing little like trying to do some popping and locking yeah. and wave and the worm and all mm-hmm. this. It's like yeah, the yeah. super like things that almost have become cliche because they're right. like mm-hmm. all the sort of funny stuff about breakdancing. Yeah. But that was like... You see someone at a wedding and they're like, yeah. oh, doing the wave yeah. or doing the worm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like in the moonwalk, you know, uh-huh. like that came out of that scene too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's because shit, Thriller came out when I would have been in like seventh grade yeah, or uh-huh. sixth grade. So And Michael Jackson's just like moving across the... F- yeah. Or, and that dance is kind of derivative from James Brown. 
Right. James Brown was all into that. Just yeah, like he, making he, his feet slide. Mm-hmm. So he like just zipped across the floor. Yeah. yeah. And he was really good at it. And then Michael was like amazing at that stuff. Such yeah. a phenomenal dancer. Yeah. So it's cool. I mean, the other th- question I have is, is over the years is like getting into this dance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll preface like this. And I think I talked to um, Laura Sabrin about this, like my kind of like secret sort of thing, because I, I, I knew that I would get ridicule for it mm-hmm. was like outdoor skills. Like I lived in the suburbs and right. I would go out into these woods and like, you know, try to start a fire with like sticks, yeah, like yeah. rubbing sticks and like look for plants, edible plants and uh-huh. like look for animal tracks. Right. But even as like an eighth grader or seventh grader, like I was aware enough to not let people know that I was up to this shit because they were, I would have gotten so much shit for it mm. and bullied. Mm-hmm. It has, has like your dance thing ever felt like that? Like it was like, like this, somebody's going to bully me or like, you know, you're in Curry Village and you're like busting out your mat. Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, in the climbing scene, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, do I you, mean, would you have the balls to like set up over across from the, from the project wall and start? Uh, yeah start doing some shit probably not anymore because i'm i'm not that good (laughs) i think i was a lot bolder when i was like 20 whereas now i'm like ooh. but for the most part you were just like yeah i'm dancing yeah i was like i don't give a shit what you guys think yeah i'm into it yeah i mean i i'm still like earlier today i was like shopping at a city market and uh thinking about like uh like kind of all these four four count moves that I would do in dance class, and I'm kind of like mm-hmm. pushing my shopping cart, like moving my hips back and forth, and right. like one shoulder up, another shoulder up, and then oh, maybe I'll do two, and then one, and then one, and two. Yeah, so, at the at the uh, Newcastle City Market. Or yeah, uh, no, the City Market here. When I was okay. over here earlier, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm like Jones, and to get back to dance class. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, because you know the other yeah. thing is when I was a high school teacher. Um, which I don't know if I've I've talked too much about that on here, but I used to say that to to like my sophomore boys and my freshman boys. Yeah, is like I'm like, look, you are not going to believe me right now. Like mm-hmm. this is one of those things where you're just going to roll your eyes at me. Yeah, but I'm like, you should learn how to dance. Yeah, and like learn how to dance for real mm-hmm. because. It's just like money in the bank as far as like getting girls. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, like dancing with another person kind yeah. of dancing because we would go, you know, because we had all these like, um, you know, Latino clubs mm-hmm. at the school mm. and you would go to their little get togethers and those kids, especially like the kids from Chihuahua and stuff, like yeah. the, the sort of ranchero kids uh-huh. could dance like crazy. Oh, really? Like just these classic like almost waltzy sort of dances that go with, you know, that, that ranchero music and stuff like real set, like a lot of real set steps. Yeah. But like, it it just looks so fun and all the, you know, all the sort of white kids or whatever would just kind of like, Oh, that's that's dumb. And I'm like, no dude, no, learn how to do this because everywhere I've gone as an adult, Mm -hmm. the guy who knows how to dance, he just makes women swoon. Yeah. And I don't know how to dance. I'm, I'm for for someone who's like a variable musician. Uh-huh. Like I, I'm too like in my head. Like mm-hmm. I can't. I'm too county. I'm too like yeah. Because I've gone and taken lessons, or you know, you do like salsa night at some right. point or whatever. And I'm just like, 
terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. like I am too. Like I can kind of like, you know, I don't mind getting down on the dance floor. Right. But I like to actually do a dance that's like has, you know, sort of steps and moves and things like forget it. Yeah. Like a salsa or something or or like basic like you know, if it's Western swing or, or East coast swing or whatever, like, yeah. I can't do that shit. Save yeah. my life. <laughs> the, <laughs> but I've always wished I could. Yeah. I've witnessed like the majesty of it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, man, if only I'd spent my youth doing that instead yeah, of like, totally. I don't know what I was doing. Yeah. Oh, well, I was learning to play guitar. That's yeah. mostly what I was doing. <laughs> the classes I'm going to, I go to like a house class and a hip hop class mm-hmm. and they're more like uh social dances. Right. So a lot of it's actually like, uh, learning how to just like do these really super basic steps. Mm-hmm. So you're just like the guy who's not like, you're not like trying to kill it in TikTok. Sure. You're just like, like get having some idea of what's going on. Right. And that's really all you need because the, the bar is so low mm-hmm. that if you can like hop a bar at all, then you're, you're right. in there. You're the guy. You're the guy. Yeah, which is fun. <laughs> and it's just nice. It's like this total like different scene than than climbing. Right. Which I, I'm like, oh, I'm a total Gumby. And like, oh, they're, you know, like at, you go and hang out at Rifle and you, you see everybody and they're like on their same project or mm-hmm. they're like doing their routine. And you're like, oh, I, I know this. Like I've heard beta about Rifle for like 15 years. Like, I don't want to talk about rifle beta. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, but, like, here's dance, and that's, like, new and exciting and pretty fun. Is it, like, therapeutic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it, it helps a lot. I was having a hard time, like, this fall. One of the things that grounded me was, like, okay, I'm, like, here, and I'm going to go to dance class. Like, I don't really give a fuck about climbing right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just, like, go to dance class, and it's an hour and 15 minutes. And I can think about, like, okay, I'm going to, like, do these steps. And like, okay, I'm just going to like count to four and like, okay, I'm just going to like focus on getting better at this. Uh-huh. And do you have any like desire to, to, to learn like sort of couples dancing, the kind of thing I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe like, I, I guess like you can go to those things right. without a partner right? <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And everybody goes to those and they like dance with other people mm-hmm. because that's how you learn. Right. It's not just like. You, you dance with the same partner all the time. It's right. like in climbing where you dance with someone who's better than you, someone who's the same and someone that's worse. Right. And you like learn. Well, that's the problem. When I go to those classes is nobody worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's quite intimidating when you uh-huh. go, especially like those, like I've been to like a Western swing class and it's uh-huh. like, you know, some like, 60 year old ladies just like she's just twirling yeah around. just twirling my ass around like it's just like oh honey and i'm like stepping on her feet and stuff yeah. and she's just like oh honey like yeah. you gotta just try to like loosen up a little bit you know uh-huh. you're just like i know yeah <laughs> sorry, sorry babe <laughs> yeah so anyway um yeah but- I, don't, I just like i have the, i remember i went uh I, I might have told this story on here because I've told it a bunch, but I went to this gig in um or the show and I was living in Southern California in Long Beach. Yeah. And it was like um this woman named Candy Kane, it was like kind of rockabilly, right? Uh-huh. And uh you know, we're at the club, it was great shows, super cool like rockabilly guitar and all that. And there was this guy there or the couple there. Okay. And like they could get up and they were clearly like 
professional or competition level swing dancers yeah. uh-huh. and just go like full on right. like, hardcore swing. And like the whole place was watching them as much as they're watching the, the band. But the thing I remember that made this impression on me is this guy would basically like dance with his partner, but then he would just go and like literally like ask these random women yeah. to dance. Uh-huh. Like they'd be in groups of women and they'd be just be like, you yeah. could, I, we could, couldn't hear any of it, but you could see them be like, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And yeah. Like, like too intimidating. Laugh and, yeah. they, and he would just kind of insist. Yeah. And then he would put him on the dance floor and uh-huh. he was the kind of guy that like could make them dance because yeah. he could lead them so well. Mm-hmm. And like they would dance for a few minutes and then, you know, he'd like thank her and put yeah. her back on her seat and her table yeah. and like, We'd watch it. He'd walk away, and like four seconds later, like literally, the the woman would just like collapse on the table, <laughs> and like all of her friends would just be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like it was my buddy Bruce. Uh, you might even be listening to this, but we were both just like, "What?" And that is the most amazing thing, you know, yeah. that he could do this. And uh-huh. it's I know it's coming across like super sexist, but I just don't know. In my life, I haven't met very many women who don't enjoy being with a guy who can like actually dance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, then it makes a difference. And the way this guy could like make these people dance, mm-hmm. like beyond what they thought they could do. Cause yeah. they clearly were not necessarily dancers, mm-hmm. but he spin them a few times. And just yeah. Like, yeah. It's pretty yeah. rudimentary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like the bar is so low that right. it's like, Oh, you can just show this person how to do this thing. It's sort of like you go climbing for the first time and, Someone's like, oh, yeah, now yeah. we're going to repel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put on the ATC right. and they're like, yeah. <laughs> down the end of the rope. And all your friends are watching and they're like, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. Did you, you just went down the cliff. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But I, I, and it was funny because like both of me and Bruce are like these climbers. Right. You know, and it's like, what do we got? We're like, we're really good at like climbing uh-huh. you know? yeah 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 yeah. it was funny I, I was super stoked on it um but i always remember that day and that's when i was telling my my students i'd be like you gotta be that guy yeah like that's who you want to be mm-hmm. at a wedding at a party like yeah. you you want to be that guy yeah not the dude over in the corner that's just like slamming beers yeah like, totally <laughs> it's just like a good way to be like confident oh yeah and, and it, that was the thing this dude was just like you yeah. Me uh-huh. now on the yeah. dance floor. <laughs> yeah. And that that's all it is. You're just like showing you're confident. You're like showing that you're capable of right. doing something. You're not afraid of like right. criticism from yeah. a bunch of people totally. who like I admire it. Yeah, who don't really uh matter or care. Right. They they're like if they're critical, it's because they, they can't do it. That's why I asked you that is because I just I admire like that you were in Curry Village on a piece of cardboard like yeah. dancing. Uh-huh. Because I would never do that. Yeah. I don't even like to play guitar in front of people unless I'm in a band. Oh, really? Yeah, where I can... I hate, like, I hate the um, campfire crooner thing. Yeah. It drives yeah. me crazy. Yeah. It's just, like, too much. Like, in a band, you can kind of hide out. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a separation between you right. and the crowd. There's, and the like, cr- the right. illiteral stage. Yes. Yeah. And the crowd has, not always, but for the most part, are there to participate. Right. And the yeah. whole thing with the campfire crooner is that you is the you know those people bust their guitars out whether you want them to or not right (laughs) (laughs) frankly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like how much how much time till we hear uh 
uh, wagon wheel. Oh, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, um, but no, I admire that. I yeah. totally admire that. Yeah. yeah. So it's this whole facet. Has it replaced pie baking for you for the most part? Oh yeah, for sure. Because like, uh, I mean, I was really into pie for a few years. And then like when I moved to Boulder, I was like, oh man, I'm a little thick. <laughs> not, it, not just in the crust. It's right. like, oh yeah, maybe I should stop eating so many pies. Right. And so, so then excise it from your life. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, what, like what are some other things I like to do? And the pie baking was actually something that I picked up. Uh, Wasn't it to try to dominate the um, the mountain fair? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Wasn't it? Was he looking for the bathroom? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. I hope so. <laughs> I don't know that guy was. He's like, oh man, I've been sleeping in here for a week. <laughs> like people are in here. He's week. like, did somebody mention pies? <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. dancing in pies, dude. Yeah, you got yeah. it made. Yeah, You're gonna totally. make friends all over the fucking world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um. You know, I thought you got into it to try to dominate the mountain fair pie baking. Contest. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I had had some like experience like baking pies for friends and like I tried to impress some girl baking a pie and then I got really into it. But I'd been dancing before that. Okay. Like I have distinct memories of like being under the Bridger Jacks in um, in Moab in like 2001 and like listening to my mini disc player and like like dancing around some juniper tree. Oh, really? Being really psyched about it. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. I think Shane Lempe took. I have like some like bad video footage of myself like dancing on El Cap Spire that I always wanted to put music to, but never quite got around to it. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that out. I've got my University of Yosemite shirt on. It's pink. <laughs> <laughs> um. So in that long discussion of dancing, I asked you if dancing was therapy yeah and then you said well yeah last last year when i wasn't doing so hot or something like that Uh so do you want to get into that yeah well i guess uh right before the pandemic okay i got laid off from climbing magazine Mm -hmm. which was pretty sweet kind of um because i started collecting unemployment and i made more money on unemployment than i did working for climbing magazine Mm -hmm. but then i also didn't have a lot of direction for a while and so I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm get, like, I, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. I finished the Yosemite Valley Bouldering Guy book, mm-hmm. which was a cool like project to do. But I was kind of, I was pretty directionless. And that kind of always affects my sense of confidence and sense of well-being. And uh, it wasn't very helpful for my relationship. I slowly started to get depressed. And then uh, things with Nina and I didn't work out, which was, I was really upset about. And then, like, as a result of that, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, God, I'm, like, back to being, like, this dirtbag climber. I'm, like, unemployed and no girlfriend, and I'm living in my van. I was pretty upset for a while. I think, like, losing a relationship for five years, uh, in addition to, like, not having anything else going on, like, really affected my uh, mental health. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was, like... It, it was like one of the darker times in my life. Well, we, we, before we got on the mic, just for perspective, we looked back on your last episode right. and uh, I read the copy that I put with it and it was basically like, 
James Lucas riding high, you know, like <laughs> living in Boulder, dating Nina, mm-hmm. like got a job, like fit, climbing hard. And it was like, yeah. Yeah. And, and basically like in kind of a, it sounds like in sort of a domino effect, those things all kind of fell yeah, apart because yeah. it was like lose your job, pandemic, yeah. relationship blows up. Uh, yeah. And then you're probably like depressed and not climbing either. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Kind of the <laughs> multiple rugs ripped out from underneath you. Yeah. And I it, remember. Yeah. I remember talking to you. Yeah. Like I was climbing a bit mm-hmm. and the, I was, but I just Going wasn't. Going through the motions. Yeah. I wasn't psyched on it. I mean, it's like you, you climb for so long that becomes part of your identity. Sure. And it's just easy and no, it's what no, you do. No, it's not part of my identity though. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, my running joke about the, the picture from, uh, from Back to the Future yeah. in the first movie where he's fading from oh, the photo. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would be me if I stopped climbing. <laughs> yeah. I would just fade from uh-huh. all these pictures of me climbing. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like it, one, one of the things in your life that like offers a lot of stability. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. But then it can, it's just like this thing you do and sometimes you don't care about it. And sometimes yeah. your like sense of self-worth and everything is attached to it. And sometimes it's just whatever this thing. Right. And so, so I was, what was going on? I mean, so what was, what was life like? I mean, what were you doing? What were you putting together for money or where were you going? Uh, well, I was like making some money off of the, uh, bouldering guidebook. Okay. Kind of like making some royalties off of that. Um, I started taking more photos like shortly before I left climbing magazine. I started, uh, I, I got psyched and I was like, I'm going to ramp up my, uh, photo game and some of my video work. And so I was able to start selling, uh, some pictures to the North Face and Patagonia and some other, uh, outdoor brands of mostly like the outdoor world. Mm-hmm. Well, and so I was like making sporadic money from that and occasional freelance writing stuff. Um, so I was like kind of piecemealing it together. It was cool. I like put it, I did some cool projects. I, I made John Glassberg and I put together, uh, six short climbing skits about like, uh, the gym culture. Right. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty cool. And we had aimed for them to be in real rock. Um, but it was like right when COVID happened and all of a sudden they switched from like a live model to, um, to like, oh, you're watching this at home. And they kind of were like, um, I'm not sure if this fits as right, well. Right. In, uh, like, uh, in watching stuff at home mm-hmm. because they're kind of like these Saturday night lifestyle skits. And people always laugh more when there's other people around. Yeah, for sure. And the, the comedy gets a lot better. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, eh, well, we'll pass on this. But like, I was, I was doing some projects like that and kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm putting stuff together. And so uh, I was taking pictures and kind of just like, I don't know, just in like a few state. Yeah. What was, I mean, <laughs> what did you do about your mental health? Well, I tried to set like set basic goals for myself. Um, I would set like when I got like really upset, I would just sit, set 15 minute timers and be like, don't, don't panic for 15 minutes. That That's all you have to do. Like, doesn't matter like anything else just like wait out for 15 minutes and then if i could like handle that and then usually like by the end of the 15 minutes i would be okay uh-huh i'd like stop having a panic attack yeah uh, what did that look like uh it would usually it would feel like i was like getting like 
having these like huge waves of emotion coming and hitting me and like uh like i couldn't control my own emotions like i'd suddenly be like hyperventilating and kind of like crying for what felt like no reason and then um and so it would just be like okay i just have to like get through this 15 minutes was that your own therapy of your own devising or yeah yeah that was just my idea that you you didn't get did you see i mean were you seeing therapists or anything uh i started seeing a therapist like a little bit a month or two afterwards i was like oh like okay i i need to start seeing a therapist i'm not sure why i didn't right away right it just like i get i guess it just didn't occur to me right i was like oh this isn't so bad and then I'm like, Ugh. right. I just, well, I mean, I, people get dumped all the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'll just get through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, I think that's what I would do at yeah. least initially. It wouldn't occur to me to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See a therapist. Yeah. So what was the trigger to do that? Did somebody tell you, or yeah, did somebody I, be like, look, dude, I can get I, your shit together. Or? Yeah, I just, I think I just got to a point where I was like, oh, like obviously, like I need some help here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm like epicking too much. I, w- I want to stop epicking, mm-hmm. and so I need some help. Mm-hmm. Like, so like, how dark did it get? Uh, I don't know. I, Were you gonna like drive your van into a tree or anything like that? Maybe I remember like uh, like I came out to rifle one weekend mm-hmm. and like climbing with Chris Widener a bit, and like I went into town for some reason, and then I just like started like driving back into the canyon, like being like okay like how long could i like keep my eyes closed while i'm driving mm-hmm. like and yeah and that's it and then like when i got back from like went to eldo and went on site free sold the the yellow spur i hadn't like really sold that much you've never place. done the yellow spur i had in all those it. years no no wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> didn't know where it was right <laughs> and it, like uh and so, like, got up there and was kind of, like, just, like, went for it. And one of the things uh, earlier that uh, summer, I actually went to uh, Vegas for a little bit. And I helped out Renan and Honold on this uh, VR shoot and uh, watched Honold solo the, the roof section of Desert Reality, of Desert Gold. Desert Gold, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the, fi- the 511 plus roof crack. And... um. It's so sick. Yeah, Jesus, it was. Dude. It was like the footage is really cool. Like if you get some Oculus goggles, you can like watch it, and you're like ten feet away. Um, I'm like, if you like look down in the goggles, you'll see me. I'm like standing on this little edge. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a little tip for you guys. Yeah, yeah. If you get on there, don't forget to look down and yeah. and, and see James down. Yeah, there. Easter egg. It's like one of those things. Yeah, the, those things in Google Earth. Mm-hmm. or whatever where you can find shit on yeah on uh on the the cam yeah anyway <laughs> and so uh but i was just like watching honald and like one of the things i i was kind of like oh yeah like he rehearsed it for a few days and um one of the things that makes alex really good about soloing is he like he kind of like practices and he like warms up and he like he gets in like a soloing mindset mm-hmm. you know whereas like when i was i was just like oh yeah i haven't i haven't done this in a while since i was like 20 but fuck it right and the last time i was soloing a lot that ended really well <laughs> yeah <laughs> so why not do it again yeah exactly like let's get back into it 
but I'm, I was like, it, it's kind of interesting because I'd done so much bouldering. I'd done a lot of like high ball bouldering mm-hmm. where you're kind of like rehearsing and then climbing like these like short five twelves, like climbing like skyscraper in uh lower chaos Canyon. It's like V V four V five. It'd be like 11 plus or 12 minus. Right. And if you do it with snow, it's like not, not a big undertaking. If you do it without snow, it's like, Oh, that's like a, it's kind of a solo. Right. It'd be like backer zone one or zone two or whatever you call it. And so like I had like this different approach and different mentality to it, but still just kind of like going for it. Uh, and so did that and then like did the, um, I soloed the outer space. Have mm-hmm. you done that one? Yeah. Yeah. But like rehearsed it. Sure. Like went over, uh, I'll like check this out see if I want to solo it. And then like go up there, drop the rope down, like rehearsed all the sections. And sometimes like when you're soloing, like uh, a crux might be, the physical crux might not always be like the mental crux. There's like a significant difference. It's like, oh, this there's like some 10, 10A stemming section uh, to like get up to the roof. That was like way, felt way scarier than like the, the 510 uh, steep jugs because you're like on really good handles. I didn't really rehearse the 5.7 Bastille beforehand. Now, I, I'm not like someone who like runs up the Bastille all the time and I was like, oh, this thing's really polished. Yeah, dude, that like seems so grim to me to yeah. solo. Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, I in Yosemite, like in, in the early 2000s, I was like soloing a bunch of stuff. It'd be like, oh yeah, go solo Nutcracker, which is like so polished. Or like Jam Crack or Munchinella or Commitment, where you're just like, oh God, what? Seems like a horrible idea. Sometimes like that easier climbing is like less secure. So what happened with the soloing? Uh, Well, I, I was kind of like, I had this idea set like, from when I left Vegas, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to Boulder and maybe I could solo the Naked Edge. Like, that would be pretty cool. That's like something to do in my climbing career. I'm like reasonably capable of doing this. In the past few years, I've done a bunch of like highball V7s and like V8s. Um, a well-versed enough traditional climber that I have experienced climbing cracks and I feel like fairly comfortable climbing up high. So I went and started climbing the naked edge a lot. And within like uh, a week and a half, I climbed it. I think I did it like 15 times. There's this 5A to get up to it. And then the meat of it is like this 11A short finger crack and then a moderate 510, a ret, and then some 5A, and then this 10C or 511 chimney, and then this short 511 boulder problem, uh, which like... Because my climbing's like developed and grown so much, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is like V3. Oh, yeah. Like, if I get this dialed, like, it's not a big deal. And so over two weeks, I kind of like worked on it a bunch. And I was like kind of psyched to do it. And I was just kind of like waiting on weather and wanted to be, feel, I guess, like mentally solid enough to do it. Like, I was still having these really bad panic attacks. And I was like, oh, well, I'm like... Let's not trigger one of those. Yeah, I was like... Halfway <laughs> up the fucking naked edge, right? Yeah, exactly. I right. was like, oh, yeah, that that wouldn't be amazing. Like, right. I figured out that, like, time on the route would be about, like, 30 minutes. 
uh, to climb the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't take that long when you're like I I was speed climbing it in uh, like forty minutes, and if you're up there so long, it's like way faster. I mean, your climbing's a little bit slower, right. but the overall right. experience yeah. is faster. And so um, I I don't know. I just kind of like waited it out. There's like a day or two I went out there. The best conditions were really early in the morning before like this, uh, the sun hits this like five ten hand crack at the top where it would be like a little bit greasier, not significantly so, but it's like, Oh, if you're going to do something like that, you want to set everything in your favor. Sure. Um, and so I went out there like one day at like 5am and the, there was another party on it. And I was like, uh, I don't want to go up there when there's somebody else on that. And then, Another day when I, I like got up to go out there and then like walked out and just like looked at the bridge and then just kind of like stood there and I was like, nah, maybe not today. Like Alex gave me really good advice and he, he was like, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you just have to like, it's always there, right? You just have to wait until like you're, you're ready and you're, you're psyched for it and don't, don't pressure it at Mm -hmm. all. And so just kind of like left it. And then I went back this, uh, I guess this spring, I feel like a lot better. Like my mental state's better. I'm like, Oh, you know, yeah. Like selling the naked edge would still be cool. It'd be like selling the rostrum or something like that. Except uh, a lot less locker. A lot of people have sold the rostrum like six or seven, something like that. I think there's been four or five people who have sold the naked edge. Not quite sure. But um, it's a little less insecure. And I, w- I went back this um, this fall and climbed it with my friend Kate and uh, just like speed climbing it pretty fast. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember all the beta, but I wasn't in as good of shape because uh, I like started climbing a lot less. Right. I felt like more mentally confident, but like not quite as fit. And so I was like, ah, yeah, I, I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. And that's where it stands. And that's where it stands. And so it's just like, oh, it's this thing. Maybe, like, maybe I'll do it someday or not. Like, it doesn't really matter. It's like, interesting. Yeah. My, uh, I found like my, uh, my relationship with climbing has changed a lot over the past years. Like, I, I place a lot less value in like, uh, sending stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, my sense of like self worth is like less derived from like, oh, am I going to send apocalypse? Because, like, as soon as I do Apocalypse, I'm just going to, like, have some other rifle project. Right. You know? Or you're going to just get in your car and leave. Yeah, or get in my car and leave, and then I'll climb somewhere else. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, you climb, like, you free El Cap in a day. And then it's just like, oh, okay, like, what's the next thing for me? Like, yeah. And for, like, a few years there, I was like, oh, I want to, like, try. No, you're going to feel better than you've ever felt and that feeling is going to stay there for the rest of your life. That's yeah. what you hope. <laughs> yeah, that's what you hope. And that's what you like imagine. <laughs> but but eh. yeah, the reality is like, oh, it's this fleeting yeah. thing. Right. It's like this cool accomplishment right. you have. And you can like pull some self-confidence right. and like some yeah. happiness and satisfaction mm-hmm. from it at any time. But, um, you know, it's also kind of fleeting. It's like you, you want that like next thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe Alex gets to do that. Yeah. You know, maybe the free soloing El Cap thing has been something that could be like, I can sit on this for a long time. 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe, I, I don't mean, know. I mean, he still like goes out and does stuff. I well, I was curious actually when you were talking about that, what because I know you have a really close relationship with him. Yeah. I, I feel like he has a few people like you that he kind of, I don't, it's not quite like a father figure, but it's like this, you kind of lean on his like raw sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, Jordan is the same way too. Like, Jordan was telling me a story about how like Alex is like basically like sorting his mail for him and being like, "Look, <laughs> yeah. you got you need to you need to pay this bill. Yeah, this yeah. Shit, this stuff's all crap, but you uh-huh. need to like you better take care of this one." Like, you know, just like he he has this sense that you know this like common sense. I think is part of his like vibe. Yeah. And so I was wondering if you were like consulting him on this soloing thing because there's no bigger expert yeah. in the uh-huh. world. Um, but also he's not gonna bullshit. Yeah. You know, he's and he's, he's also but he's also gonna not gonna be like, Don't do it, James. Yeah, he's like, not gonna be stop. like, Don't do it. Like, yeah. You're crazy, but he's gonna be like, Ah, you know, here's yeah, here's what you need to do. And yeah. if you can't get there, then you know, consider waiting or whatever. Yeah. So it's like a good you know, it's because obviously, if someone tells us we shouldn't do something, it kind of motivates us to do it, right? And if you I'm flat out say no, yeah, you know. Yeah, and I'm not sure that that's like the kind of advice that people really need a lot of times, right? They they want someone who can like relate mm-hmm. and to like understand them to some degree and just be able to like talk about things. And uh, yeah, Alex is like super supportive in that kind of thing, right? Like I actually like this winter I was at like Camp Honnold for a while, like hung out with Al- like stayed with Alex for a couple months and climbed at the Clear Light Cave at, at Mount Potosi, mm-hmm. and then uh, with with Jordan for right, a little Jordan bit. Jordan was all yeah. part of that mix. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun. Alex was all like getting all angsty about his sport proj and his upcoming baby. And then we we're just like going sport climbing all the time. Yeah, and I I like didn't really care about climbing i was like okay i'll like go hang out with my friend he's always motivated right like i can just like hitch my hang out with this dude who will like provide some direction yeah like hit hitch your sort of psychic wagon to yeah to uh-huh. this guy who's so like motivated yeah uh-huh. and always seems to have a direction or yeah. something stewing or like yeah and the it, things all planned out or whatever right exactly and that stuff kind of thing is like you hang out with people like that and then all of a sudden you like become a little more like right. that and it's like oh wow like i better get my shit together like oh like alex is like where are your goals for the day because he wants to talk about his right or like <laughs> you know he's got like he his like idea of training isn't some like laid out like super program from uh from some training company it's right. it's more like this excel spreadsheet where he's like okay i'm gonna like do my core workout 10 days this month mm-hmm. and then he makes like a little check and then he's like oh at the end of the day i got a check mark right <laughs> <laughs> oh i want to do fingers oh Feels i did good. i did fingers like five or six days the check marks feel good check dude. marks yeah and the like it's like the whole reason to make a list yeah uh-huh. you, you cross shit off the list yeah you're just like you feel great check yep yeah. yeah it's like these little dopamine rushes right that like make 100%. you percent that make you feel better about yeah. like whatever your depression is like right you know, if like things are horrible for you, at least you like check something. You did your fingers too. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> you did yeah. your hangboard today. Yeah. It's like, you got oh, that going for yeah. you. You made it through your 15 100%. minute timer. Check. Right. Yeah. So, what else? I mean, uh, you, you're like, you're, 
the thing that's kind of interesting about this depression, and I did interact with you during this, and I understood it, and I understood what you were feeling, you know, uh, from the relationship problems to the career problems to, um, what about like what what? Let me say this: like the one thing that's I think a really tricky thing about like, you know, the sort of dirtbag lifestyle, and, and you've been sort of a, a professor, yeah, and have written about this and sort of contemplated it. Is that like when shit goes bad, oh. like the feeling of being unconnected to anything mm -hmm. that yeah. and it's it's a weird paradox because that feeling is what was so intoxicated about mm -hmm. a tox intoxicating about it when you're on top right like i got nothing i can just do whatever i want mm -hmm. or go wherever i want and the dark side of that is that when the shit hits the fan you're like well yeah i don't really know anyone here and mm -hmm. i don't you know it's like i gotta go park in a parking lot somewhere yeah. and like wash my face in a freaking city market bathroom and like <laughs> right. do you know what i mean like yeah. all that shit like that seems so cool and like I'm free yeah. and if I feel like you know we've talked about this ad nauseum but like that wall you hit it eventually mm -hmm. as yeah. a dirtbag mm -hmm. and it makes all these other problems like so much harder to deal with yeah it's like that lack of structure right you, you don't you're like which I, again is the thing you love yeah uh-huh I don't have to do anything yeah. today I, can, oh, do I, I, I want. can do whatever <laughs> I want but then you're like oh my god I can't get out of bed right <laughs> And there's like no, there's nothing compelling me to get out of bed. Well, and the interesting thing is, is like, you know, I've never lived, you know, we've never sort of lived in the same community, mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was my, I had the same feeling about you. Like I knew you were out there somewhere mm -hmm. and I knew that you were like having trouble and I, we'd cross paths or we'd text or whatever. Yeah. But it wasn't like you were here in the town where I could go and be like, let's go, dude, or like, right. let's go climbing, or like, let's, do you know what I mean? And so it was like, and, and I think like the problem there is that like, I think when you have this group of community friends that are spread out all over the world, like that can seem really cool, but it can also seem really distant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so what, I mean, did did like your friends, we were just talking about Alex, did did people sort of step up intervene or just let you deal with it uh i had some really like super supportive friends i mean alex was really cool in there for me i stayed with mikey schaefer for a little bit in reno all right uh, i stayed with emily and adrian for a little bit and then uh stayed with tara kirshner and, and greg oh right and, on. And, yeah and they were like super supportive like when i was with tara and greg i started like get, getting my act together a little bit more uh -huh. like still like really depressed but i started going to dance class mm -hmm. and i was like okay all i gotta do is like make it to monday and go to dance class and then and so like that kind of stuff was helpful and i started like being like okay i'm just gonna like set these arbitrary goals for myself right. of like things that i'm gonna do like i'm gonna go take pictures of this like lunar eclipse or i'm gonna go take photos of this other thing or go to dance class or and it's like a lot of people like don't really know what to do or say, and you're all you just need someone who's like empathetic, right. not like they're really giving you advice, but someone who's just there, right? And like understand, like they don't really necessarily need to like exactly understand what you're going through, but just someone who's like listening. Well, it's interesting you said that because I was just thinking about like while you were before you even started saying that, but it was like the styles of kind of intervention mm -hmm. and. 
and and you know one of them is simply like to incorporate you into what that person is doing which i think was like alex's right. style yeah like mm-hmm. this is what i'm doing and yeah if you want to come along and yeah. like yeah you should come do along. it too mm-hmm. maybe you'll get something out of it versus mm-hmm. i can imagine like tara was someone who you could like really talk to yeah yeah and someone who's experienced some of these things mm-hmm. you know and then i don't know greg but he seems like more of a machine too like hey. you know got has his ducks in a row kind of a yeah, dude yeah. so um but yeah it's interesting like to think of someone like you as so many friends, uh-huh. but then I think when the shit hits the fan, it's like, where do we all come running, or does do people run away? Do people yeah. disengage? Or yeah, I mean, know? everybody like nobody knows. There's nobody no, knows. Yeah, yeah, nobody knows. It's like, oh man, I hung out uh, like at the time I hung out with a friend who her partner had just died in a car crash, mm-hmm. and she was like nobody knows how to talk to me like nobody knows how to like relate right. to what's what's going on with me and she didn't know either right there's like no solution right and so she's like ah like i don't know what i need was that an interesting perspective for you yeah yeah it was just it was cool to hear it's right. like oh like you're struggling with something like it's entirely different than what i'm struggling with mm-hmm. but we're both struggling yeah because i remember i had uh i got like my for, sort of worst dumping was in college mm-hmm. and uh i you know oh yeah i think you told me about this yeah it was it, you know it, that's still like the the sort of like you know prime example in my head of that feeling and in knowing what you were feeling yeah of mm-hmm. like you know just the world's ended and yeah. i mean it's just it's just this like crazy thing because you have a perspective I do like, you know, 30 years later and I'm like, it, it was like relatively meaningless, right? you know, mm-hmm. in my life subsequently. Right. But at the time, I mean, it was just a ton of fucking bricks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, and this is like kind of morbid, but a week later, a good friend of mine, um, one of his friends was killed in a climbing accident, uh-huh. like literally about a week later. Yeah. And it was, and it like, it just snapped me out of my shit. Right. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, well, holy fucking shit. Like, yeah. I just had this, it just like was a shock to the system of like, what has happened to me is meaningless. This, this, you know, this guy just lost his like childhood friend. Right. This girl, like I've known her for a while, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And so when you, when you just said that about meeting someone who, who had had, you know, who's struggling with yeah. something, sometimes it can be a, like a. Like a whoa, that's yeah. serious. Yeah, and maybe what I'm dealing with can like I can make room for this person's right. sort of needs right now and mm-hmm. put mine aside because that's one of the things about depression. I think is that is that's what happens is you become like incredibly self centered mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and you have that perspective later, but when you're in it, you don't. It's not like yeah. although you can. I mean, it, I think depression can be this like cycle of guilt mm-hmm. because you do have these moments where you're like i'm being like this total baby and like yeah you know which just makes you feel worse yeah. right <laughs> it's yeah, like you yeah. know what i mean like uh-huh. i mean we have we were talking about this cycle of yeah. like how these things like kind of just build on each other yeah but i mean your perspective on that like what like what sort of broke the cycle do you think it was just slow gradual slow gradual like 
getting through the 15 minute timers, going to more dance class, like starting to feel a little better and uh, like making it through like events that I was psyched on. Mm -hmm. And then slowly being like going from like, okay, I'm going to make it through this short period of time to being like, okay, I'm going to make it through this like longer period of time to like, oh, okay, there's this thing I want to do in December. Mm. Like, oh, okay, I have a, a job shooting on Moonlight Buttress in November. Okay, I'm, I just need to make it to that. Oh, and then Alex's uh, wedding is like later that month. Okay, I, I'm going to make it through that and like I'm going to write something for it. And so like here's this other thing that I have like right. I've got like this goal for it. And then it's like, oh, Emily and Adrian are getting married. Okay. I've got something else to look for. Yeah, you got to go to all the celebrity weddings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. <laughs> it, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, it's cool that like those events were like this anchor for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, essentially, and they're arbitrary things. You yeah. just have to like set these anchor points because it wasn't like I had some like a uh, full time job right. where I was like, okay, like even though I feel like super shitty, I have to show up on Monday. Do you have any sort of like, I mean, what's your family support system like? Is uh, that existent? Nah, it's non-existent. Right. I mean, like my mom, my mom will text me and stuff. She's super religious. Um, and so kind of like divorced myself from that as, right. a, as a teenager. That's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I have like, uh, I'm the fifth of six kids. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> pretty like close knit with my, my siblings, but everybody lives like in Washington on uh, Martha's Vineyard and uh, right. Philadelphia. My, my twin brother lives in Bangkok. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we're all like so spread out. One of the things that's interesting too, I mean, going back to this dirtbag kind of isolation thing is that when all our identities is climbing right, and our friend groups is climbing, like, you know, it has like for me too, and I get along great with my family and, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm very close to my parents and my brother and I have a decent relationship and, but there's still this like gap yeah. and I feel it, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm hanging out with them, I mean, I joke about how like, I don't have anything to talk about. Right. Uh huh. And it's, I mean, embarrassingly, it's a little bit true. Yeah. Because it's just like, there's this gap and I know the feeling of, you know, we're talking about rifle or whatever, whatever your local crag or local community is. To me, there's this feeling always when I get into that community, I relax. Right. And I I drop a little bit of pretense that I might have in sort of making small talk at a party with someone who's not a climber. Mm -hmm. And I get I mean, like I said, I can I I mean, I'm intellectual enough and I'm well read right. enough, I can have conversations. But there's a back of my mind kind of feeling when I'm doing that that like I'm thinking like, am I, am I doing this right? Am yeah, I, yeah, am I like uh -huh. putting the, am I, is he, you know, is he aware? Like, right. you know, or what, you know what I mean? Uh huh. And it's like, that's one of the things that keeps sucking me back to the climbing community right. is that feeling of like, ah, this yeah. is my peeps. Yeah. Yeah. These, and as much as we give shit about here. like talking about beta and stuff like that, it's still, you know, and I think everybody or not everybody, but a lot of people have those places, whether it's climbing or not, Yeah, you know, it's mm -hmm. the running joke of like the, the husband who, you know, wants to go golfing with his buddies. Right. It's mm -hmm. because it's like, yeah, I can like just go and like be myself, maybe too basic of a way to put it. But, right. Yeah. But like, I, do you know what I mean? Like when, yeah. back to our families, like mm -hmm. there's like this gap, I think. Sometimes, yeah. Right. Uh -huh. 
where yeah like your climbing friends can be like really close but then it's like they're also like really spread out right and like they're it's like oh mikey's mikey's in reno oh alex is in vegas oh these are Tara and greg are in boulder uh you know like uh, i've got like friends in washington it's like uh like when you're in the moment panicking it's like you can't see them right yeah, away right and so that but that's like one of the the values behind climbing is like you get to travel and get to like be in these independent places and without this structure but mm -hmm. it, it can make a yeah when things go wrong it can be really difficult yeah and i think it i mean the uh, we've been talking a lot in here about things that are both good and bad like yeah. these paradoxical things and that's you know when you talk about distance too like there is a bit of distance with those relationships because you just don't know what's going on in their everyday lives right. all the time, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, and again, like you, I mean, I, you know, my kids three or four, like you definitely get locked into this. Yeah. Thing. Uh -huh. But yeah, I mean, I had this in, I had this sense that you were out there and you were struggling. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, we would talk occasionally right. and, you know, whatever sort of support I could do in those talks. Yeah. But it was like, yeah, it still felt like, you know, what am I, what can I do about it? Like he's right. in this whole different world than I am, especially as a guy, as a kid and stuff, because yeah, I've yeah. sort of removed myself uh -huh. from that community. But, but I can imagine when I was in my twenties or something, I would have sort of been oblivious to it. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like I'd have yeah. been like, what the fuck's up with James? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, what? fucking big deal, dude, get over it or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. In my perspective like, now is, is understanding that those things, you know, they aren't. They 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 seem trivial on paper. Mm -hmm. They seem trivial, not trivial, trivial. But they a lot of them seem trivial twenty years later, ten mm -hmm. years later. Right. But it's irrelevant to how they feel at the time. Yeah. And like you said, you didn't have control over it. Yeah. It's like you know? yeah, your emotional intelligence got a little bit better. Yeah. It's like and it, like I remember like talking and texting with you a little bit, and that's like you know, there's a lot of value in that. It's like right. oh yeah. Oh, I could always like when when I'm in like rifle in the summer, I can see Calouse. Well, you know, I've always felt um, since we started doing these podcasts. Actually, I think we've become better friends. Yeah, uh -huh. because I didn't know. I mean, I tell that all the time. Like, I didn't know who the fuck you were the first time we did a podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just like, all right. I mean, I kind of did, mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, this guy really wants to do podcasts. Yeah. Like, let's get this done. But um, but at the same time, like you know, whenever we've run into each other and I'm older than you and sort of like in a different place in life, but right. you know, I don't know. It just has always felt like I want to come to the, I don't know. I'm, this is going to be sound weird, but I'm like, I, I'm going to come to the table when James is in town. Yeah. Like, let's hang out like for real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Let's hang out. And even if we spend one day together climbing, I'm like, for some reason I've always like, I want to be present when James is here yeah. in a way that I'm, I'm not as concerned about it with other people. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but, yeah, that, or if you've ever felt that, but yeah, the, the, I've tried to always be present yeah. when you're sort of in town or when, when you're, I mean, not that we hang out, but like right. when we spend time together, I'm like, I'm here. Yeah. Let's talk about real shit. Yeah. Let's not just make this fluff, yeah. you know? So maybe that's why these podcasts are so popular yeah, when, yeah. when you come on the show. I don't yeah. know. Thanks, Calus. That's really nice. I don't know if you've if you've ever like perceived that, but yeah, I've I've tried. Yeah. So 
Thank you. And it's hard when you've got a three-year-old or a two-year-old yeah, kid yeah. to like. It's involved. It's like two. My brain's always <laughs> uh-huh. split between the climbers and these and what I'm doing at home a lot yeah. of times. So, so where are you at now? I mean, we're we're talking about recovery in a way. Yeah. So uh, I guess like you know I was hanging out at Honolds for a lot this uh, this winter and uh, like hanging with Honold, I was kind of like uh, I want to like get back to Boulder and I want to like. <laughs> he's like I I, you got to get out of here yeah i was well he he's like you can stay as long as you want like do do whatever like yeah i'm psyched. that's a good friend yeah that's a good friend yeah. he was like psyched to have someone around to climb with right i mean that's a, that's like a good friend keeping in mind that his wife is is increasingly pregnant right, right? So, yeah uh-huh. yeah you know? so yeah um I mean, not that he gets to call the shots, right? But uh, but that must have been sort of interesting. Yeah, and yeah. she's also like really supportive. Yeah, and I bet. she's she's an amazing woman. And um, <clears throat> but it, like it, just being around Alex, I was like, oh, okay. Like I want I want to like do more. I want to like start to get do my more. Sh- I want to be more. Yeah, yeah. I want to like, like Alex. I want to get my shit together. And so I like started applying for some jobs, um, like getting my resume together, writing like a some cover letters, rewriting them, writing them again. And then um, I went to Bishop for like six or seven weeks working on updating uh, uh, the Bishop Select guidebook for Wolverine. And so it was like, okay, I've got this task. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, I was also thinking about like, oh, do I want to live in Bishop? Like, do I want to live in Vegas? Like, I I don't have any connection back in Boulder. Like, what? Like, what am I doing? Where am I going? But I felt like a draw to go back to Boulder, not just because like I had this, this like mostly empty storage unit, but like I really like the um, the low key anxiety of Boulder. <laughs> right? What do you mean? Like you know, every day there's like the constant joke of like every day, like the Boulder guy wakes up at five a.m. and he go gets his like caffeinated like uh, kombucha, and then he like goes swimming like up boulder creek feet first right <laughs> right and then and then he's like at the office at 8 30 right. and he's like hey what's going on right you, you know all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you kind of want to like punch him in the face but like i like that uh feeling of like oh you, you should like be doing something you should like right you're supposed do- to yeah yeah you should don't like, be fucking lazy yeah don't be lazy like what are you doing like oh what's going on and, uh, like, dude, I just fucking set my, you know, yeah. my record on the first ladder yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, what totally. did you do today? Yeah. <laughs> it's like 4958, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I, I, I like some of that. Like, I've found a lot of value in that mm-hmm. over the years. Like, you know, you hang out for a long time in places like Yosemite or in Rifle or like in Bishop. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're, you're waking up at like, 11 o'clock smoking some more weed (laughs) and you're like you know you're like doing yoga on a picnic table thinking about like oh am i gonna try my project today or not Uh, i don't know and just seems like your your life is like stagnating Mm. or like not moving as fast and i i just i've come to understand about myself that i like that well that need for progression and like when i was like really upset and depressed is like, Oh, I, I like need these things. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like really helpful for me. And they keep me accountable to have these like random goals and to have other people like also talking about right. it. Like it's probably that maybe boulders filled with depressed people. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like this weird, this weird mix. But the other, yeah, the flip side of that is that yeah, you you also can understand that you know you can get sucked into the other thing. Mm-hmm. In like for me, you know, it's just it's a simple kind of example, but it's like video games. Yeah, like I I am susceptible to sort of video game addiction. Oh yeah, I have been since I like I was a mm-hmm. kid. Yeah, you know, with like. Atari and shit that you don't even know about because you're yeah. too young. Mm-hmm. So knowing what they've done to these video games, like oh, I fucking avoid them. Like I mean, it's like uh, you could put like you know the the most modern version of like Call of Duty in front of me mm-hmm. and put heroin in front of me, and I'd be like, I'm better off with the heroin. <laughs> yeah, for sure. At least in the short term. Uh-huh. And so it's funny because you know, like if you get old enough and you're self reflective enough, you know your sort of weaknesses, and mm-hmm. I feel like. Maybe you're talking about that, like yeah. you can be sucked into the yoga mat, yeah, and may or maybe I don't do <laughs> yeah. my thing, and I'm gonna eat a pie and mm-hmm. just like yeah, and chill. I'm just gonna chill, <laughs> yeah. So you need like this, like you said, you called it anxiety, yeah, because it's like good and bad. But mm-hmm. There's like good aspects to yeah, it, yeah, and there's good aspects right. to it. Oh man, when when I was hanging out in Vegas, uh, Holland got me into doing crosswords. It was actually something that my therapist suggested too. He's really? like, "Oh yeah, if you're feeling depressed, like do Sudoku, do really? a crossword, just like fire some shit in your brain." And, yeah, and just like think right. about doing the thing. Take a little and, endorphin shot when yeah. you get it right. Yeah, and Alex is really good at crosswords. Like when it, when it, we were doing that, um, when he sold the desert gold thing or whatever, mm-hmm. he uh, like that next night he did his 100th consecutive New York Times crossword puzzle, like solved it. He's like always on it. And then right. the New York Times actually has this little thing. It's the Daily Mini. It's a four by four grid. Right. Have you done this? No, but I, I keep hearing about it <laughs> yeah. in relation to Alex Honnold, actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a leaderboard for it. You're a scoreboard. Right. And you can like send these things to your friends. And so they can like follow you. And they're kind of like hard to figure out at first. I think like when I first did them, it was, I would be like, 90 seconds two minutes like 230 and i'm like decent at words but not amazing um but alex was getting like 30 seconds right 25 seconds and then um i took i went from vegas down to waco for a little bit and there's a bunch of other kids down there who were also into the new york times crossword and these daily minis and they were like oh yeah like they were getting like 45 seconds and so i was like oh okay i'm gonna like do this and get a little better at it. Um, I got some tips about like, okay, when you like figure out the first clue, then switch to vertical because you know the first letter. And then um, like, if you can guess the last letter, then like there's some strategy to solving it faster. And then um, one day I was like trying this this crossword puzzle and I like exited out for a second. I was like, oh yeah, use the bathroom or whatever. And then I went back in and I realized the timer had stopped. And I was like, oh. And so uh, then I started like looking at the, uh, I would like read the clue as fast as I could. And stop it. Stop it. And then either think about it or um, look up. The Come an- on. Look up the answer on the internet. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden my times went from like 90 seconds to 16. Right. Right. <laughs> First day I did that. Like. Within five minutes of my score posting, Alex Honnold, ding! Really? <laughs> hey, dude, nice time on the Daily Mini. I was like, oh, yeah. 
and and i was like oh yeah cool yeah man i like stuck it and then i did it again the next night 16 seconds and then like ding and he's like dude how can you like do this so fast you've got such fat fingers and then um the, you come clean dude well the third night he he was like Dude, when you get back to Vegas, we're gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch you do the daily <laughs> me. <laughs> He's too smart to yeah, deal with that yeah. shit. Yeah. Because what happened was like, yeah, it was like obvious that I was cheating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know how I was cheating, but he was like, You are definitely cheating. And I tried to be like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm in I'm in Puerto, and so what I'm doing Your is mind I'm is expanded. Yeah, I'm, I'm like eating peyote yeah, every night. Yeah. Like, I'm like <laughs> I'm taking these rests, and my mind is super focused. <laughs> I've got like all this focus in my life right now, and he, <clears throat> and then like went back to Vegas, and like me and him and Sonny all sit down around the table, and he's like, "Okay, everybody, go," and like my thing. I go ding like in 25 seconds. It was a reasonably All fast. Right. That's a pretty fast. Yeah, time, I man. was I was fast. I was psyched, and then like two seconds later, Sonny goes ding, and she's she's really good at it. And then I like look over at Alex, and he's just like sitting there, and, and then he goes, "Oh yeah, I turned my dinger off. I got like 16 seconds." <laughs> <laughs> What about like work wise? What oh you, yeah, what's going on with that? Uh, I mean, why do we get on the crossword tangent? I don't know. I, I can't oh, remember. because we were talking about video games. Oh right. And then right, I got right. excited about the crossword thing right. because I still do it. Right. And then like, <clears throat> I've that's also, healthy. Yeah. The Fucking cross- pretending to shoot people with a sniper rifle, yeah. not healthy. Dude, Mark Houdon has like a target range set up <laughs> in the rifle campground right oh, now. Oh really? Yeah, he's got like a uh, like a pump. Uh, like a air BB rifle. gun, yeah. like a pellet gun. Uh huh. He shoots all these like little Altoid cans and stuff. It's pretty sweet. But um, I guess like, um, so I wanted to like go back to Boulder mm-hmm. and like have that anxiety and have the need to like do the daily mini a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And as I started going back, I started uh, applying for more jobs. Um, and the interesting thing about like the current job market is like if you get like instead of like looking at Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or Snapchat, you can look at like LinkedIn and Indeed.com and Glassdoor and ZipRecruiter. Like they're almost like these social media platforms for jobs. Mm-hmm. And there's this ability to have like some um, this internet dishibition where you you're not like physically going in and like handing your resume to someone, mm-hmm. but you you're like digitally doing it, and there's a little less like. Uh, personal interaction right and so then i got i got psyched on like applying for all these jobs i was like okay i'm gonna like try and uh, apply for a bunch of jobs at first i was like okay i should set like a number of applications for myself and then i i hit that and then i was like oh actually i want the number of rejections how many people are like looking at my resume Mm -hmm. providing feedback and then it was like how many interviews can i have and I had some like really cool interviews. I think I applied to like a couple hundred jobs and um, I had like 16 or 17 interviews uh, within like this two month period. Are these Zoom interviews or are they in person? <clears throat> uh, the majority were Zoom. Right. Uh, I had a few in-person interviews on the front range. Right. Um, but th- most of the work I was, lo- I've been looking for is like 
copywriting mm-hmm. and like content management stuff where all uh, within the outdoor industry or are you no, breaking out? I, w- I was like looking beyond the outdoor industry right. like i i had a few interviews within with companies in the outdoor industry mm-hmm. um but then i was like oh you know i could make a lot more money right. if yeah. i'm not like working like in yeah. the climbing world and it also my skill set would increase significantly mm-hmm. like if i'm talking about writing about or like running these programs that don't have anything to do to do with climbing right um and so i got uh yeah just got like more into interviewing and stuff and kind of like i did pretty well there's a few jobs i got really psyched on and got close to but uh nothing panned out mm-hmm. and so like so is this like um you know what's the woman's name in in uh the helen bonham carter character in fight club where she's like addicted to going to um to, to help therapy groups, <laughs> yeah. like you're addicted she, to she, fucking getting rejected for jobs, like uh-huh. or doing interviews. Like yeah. it's now no longer about the job. It's not about the it's job. Just you doing <laughs> interviews. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's not about sending the route. It's just about getting to the third bowl. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Getting a high point. Yeah. Let's just like try this over and over again. Another high point. I wonder when I'll get through that knee bar problem on Apocalypse. Doesn't matter. I just want to get through that that one section. They're like gonna finally offer you a job, you'd be like, No uh, thanks. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I got like six I got like six more in or you're gonna take the job and then still do like yeah. inter- on the weekends you're gonna do interviews. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like Yeah. It's it's really interesting. My uh my interview ability has increased significantly. Really? Yeah, I had I t- I'll let the Normacast uh, nation be the judge of that. Yeah, yeah. Am I am I more articulate than when I was making pies? <laughs> I think I had some more like uh, small penis jokes then. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, how's your comedy? <laughs> uh, pretty good. I yeah. like. Uh, I did a stand up show in in Vegas, uh, in November. Like open mic. Yeah, yeah. It was at this like uh, stand up place, uh, Wise Guys, and then I. I did a show in Boulder. Did you get like, laughs? Oh yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Like my, the thing is, I've mostly honed it. I've got like a really solid, like five minute set right. of small dick jokes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my way of like talking about my insecurities, right, and talking about like body dysmorphia and like these other problems and issues I have in my life, but they're all framed around on. Uh, around how small my penis is. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is a metaphor yeah. for how small your penis is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that joke's it's small. <laughs> when I was really depressed, it was, it was great. Um, and I noticed I'm like a lot more able to do that stuff when I'm depressed because like, uh, I like don't care and, uh, and I'm funnier. Right. No, that's, I mean, I, you know, I always talk about how, Mark Maron's podcast inspired this podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's no doubt that those like so many comedians are like dealing with all sorts of mental yeah. health issues and yeah. depression and all these things. Like, I mean, Robin Williams was a famous, yeah. you know, example of that. He yeah. struggled with it his whole life and he was like one of the funniest humans alive. Yeah, totally. You know, so it's, it is an interesting, I mean, it's, you know, I don't think it's a hundred percent, but it's an interesting correlation. Yeah. For sure. I th- think because a lot of like what makes things funny is you're like telling some truth right but you're just making it like entertaining to people yeah and also you're like like saying this really fucked up thing to someone but you want you need someone to listen to how fucked up your life is 
And so you can't just be like, oh, I'm like really upset about like these relationship problems or these financial problems. Mm -hmm. Like people will kind of like nod off and like ignore you. Right. But if you can make it into a joke, all of a sudden like you have this attention and like some reinforcement. I think too that like it's just, it's also a statement on how just everybody is struggling because a lot of times mm -hmm. you want that you want that kernel of them relating. Yeah. And also being like like I was saying about meeting, you know, someone whose problems seem more difficult than yours. Mm -hmm. That's I think a little bit of it as well. You yeah. Know, just like, well, He's someone as fucked up as that guy. Is, <laughs> yeah, totally. But you have to have some empathy, and that—I mm -hmm. mean, the really great comedians—you have to have. They—they—they they, they elicit some empathy mm -hmm. for what you're saying. Yeah. Um. um you know, and, and that's in my opinion. I mean, yeah. the Joker, like the one-line joke guys, are funny too. But right. the deep sort of uh, philosophical com comedy, like Marin's, and, mm -hmm. and you know, some of the truly greats, you're like, oh yeah, that's me too. You know, mm -hmm. like. A little bit of dis <laughs> yeah. discomfort yeah. kind of thing, uh -huh. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can just, but you still get it. a charge out of that. Yeah. 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 But uh, the other thing was like, I guess my biggest struggle with that is like, I spent a long time like coming up with all these really good small penis jokes. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden, like one day, I'm like standing in the bathroom, like looking down. I'm like, oh God, is my penis really small? Right. Wait, am I like, was I joking? I, I fuck. I don't even know anymore. I keep telling everybody I have a small penis. It was supposed to be a joke, but God, it doesn't look that that big anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you've convinced you've like you've like uh, projected it out into the world, and it's become a physical fact. Yeah. Uh -huh. that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, now I like need to find some new material. And so, like, working on that. All right. Well, let me ask you uh, one more, a couple more questions. Because um, we wrote down, or you sent me a text. Uh-huh. I'll just reveal it here. When we were talking about, like, well, what are we going to talk about? And you sent me a text that was, quote, depression, dating, career, climbing media. Mm. And I joked that it was like a, a, a semi-rad cartoon where uh -huh. that just is a big circle where... The depression ruins the dating, ruins the career, mm -hmm. and then climbing media just causes you to be more depressed, which yeah. ruins your dating <laughs> prospects, which ruins your career prospects, which, mm -hmm. you know, so it all goes around in a circle. So let me point in on the dating thing because, uh. um, yeah, that's sort of an interesting subject when we were talking earlier about our kind of community and our circle of friends mm -hmm. and, you know interesting that you were like oh, i'm staying with this couple mm -hmm. in boulder and then i'm staying with this couple and i went to their wedding and then i'm yeah. staying with this couple and i went to their wedding yeah uh -huh. you know what i mean because you're sort of at this place in mm -hmm. life where yeah it's like if you're a single dude it you know a lot of your friends are are pretty locked at the hip i mean mikey mm -hmm. is as well yeah mm -hmm. so what is dating like out there in the climbing world or whatever world you're you're trying to date in or are you trying to date uh yeah i'm like trying to date i'm pretty psyched right now on like uh trying but like not really i don't think i've got like most much like capacity i mean for, you're still in your van right yeah still i'm still in my van living in your van right but like <laughs> it's crazy because i mean i used to like live in my saturn or like a tent in the woods. And it was like, yeah, I I bet I told this joke before, but do you know what it's like to have sex in the back of a Saturn station wagon? 
Yeah, me neither. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know what it's like to have sex in a pro master. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And I think there's just like the culture has. That's changed. really what they're for. Yeah. For right? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you can like stand up and go take a whiz afterwards without yeah. having to crawl. Exactly. And, <laughs> and like. It, your partner's like a little more psyched. It's like yeah. a little easier. Yeah. The the whole situation is just, it's way better. Right. And I think like the climbing community as a whole has changed a lot in the past like 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more accepting. And then also uh, I'm like a little more confident. Right. And like know who I am right. a little bit more. Um, I go to dance class. Right. And then um, like the other day I was at the Arsenal and um, some random girl came up and like leaned up against my van and like looked in at, at me and my buddy and was like, do I know you? I was like, whoa, that, that sounds like me 15 years ago. Right. Trying to mack on some girls. Right. But it was the other well, how way was you, What was your reaction is more the, the important part. I was like, uh. No. And then you <laughs> <slammed> the door. <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't know. I've got a twin brother, but he's in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> she's like i was like maybe you recognize him <laughs> uh it's been really fun i've been like trying to flirt more and get better at flirting mm-hmm. which is, is, is super hard it's like oh i'm, I'm like kind of awkward i'm like I really feel- <laughs> uh, james <laughs> i'm like hey check it out i can dance, I can dance. <laughs> check it out i bake pies i'll like walk up to someone and like i just feel like really weird a lot of times and so i'll like strike up a conversation by asking someone like like last week in rifle i was really into talking to people about how they wave oh right yeah i was like oh like you know if i wave at you right like how how do you wave back are you going to use your dominant hand right are you going to like like one kind of like hand up like luke parody uh he just like raised his hand real quick Mm -hmm. um I saw Margot Hayes and she went like two hands up. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. She was excited. Uh, I saw like Mark Houdon. Yeah. He, he got really into like the Queens wave. Right. You know, where you're, you keep your elbow kind of stiff and you just twist like, your arm yeah, twist your arm. Yeah. And so like, those were all like, th- that's like my opener. I'm oh, like, nice. Oh, how are you good at waving? How's it? How's that going? Uh, it's okay. Right. N- not amazing. What, uh, Madeline actually gave me really good dating advice. Oh, God. I don't know if this is good dating advice, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Madeline was like, <laughs> she's like, James. I mean, keep in mind that she's a lesbian. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and married. And married. And yeah. married. Right. She was like, hey, you know, you should keep tampons in your car. And I was like, really? Like, and so I, I like asked a bunch of people at the crag. Uh, I asked some other dudes if they had like tampons in the car. A lot of dudes who had girlfriends had tampons in their car. Well, yeah, but was it of their doing or just they end up because yeah, there's they, fucking yeah. tampons all over the place. I guess they just if end you're in up in a relationship. There. Right. But like, um, and I even asked some girls if they'd ever asked men for tampons. Right. And the girls were usually like hard no. Yeah. Like that thought had never occurred to him. So how does, according to Madeline, how does having tampons in your car lead to a possible, if not relationship, at least hitting it off with somebody? Well, her thought was that like, if you're there 
for someone when they need one, right? Then uh, that will help your credibility. I I get that notion, and and because she, that is like empathy and uh, right. But how is it that logistically that works? Because as you said, women never ask guys for them. Right. So where does the intersection between some random stranger Uh needing a tampon and you arriving at just the right time with one and that not being like weird? Weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I haven't figured that part out yet. (laughs) I get here's what I here's what I get is that if you are like casually seeing someone Mm -hmm. and it's still in the very casual sense. And somewhere in there, you're out doing something and it happens and you're like, oh, hey, I have this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like if you could come to the rescue right. of someone like that, mm-hmm. I think that's you're you're definitely like, you know, definitely like putting down a good foundation. Right. So then. But the circumstances that lead to you. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but so that's a situation where okay. it might happen. Right. So why? I mean, it's we, good to have a feeling yeah, there because you know yeah. what? If. In an emergency situation, they're actually very good for, for, starting, for wounds. Yeah, yeah, or starting fires or, or, starting fires, or, or yeah. nosebleeds. Yeah. But if that situation is to <laughs> <Nosebleeds>. occur... <laughs> like... <laughs> Kalise likes that one. <laughs> Someone I had the image of you standing <laughs> at the base of the project wall. <laughs> Two fucking tampons stuck yeah. up your nose. Uh-huh. Blade somebody. Oh, yeah, I got a nosebleed. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just rip the strings out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, what were you saying? But you need to get them at some point for that like situation to to right. to work out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, better to have them on hand than uh, not. Well, report back if it all transpires yeah. into you being the knight in shining armor. Yeah. Or shining tampon. Yeah. Well, are able to save the day. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Madeline's advice. Right. Yeah. Let's. But- Let's be honest, she might not be the the best one for hetero advice. Hetero advice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean, she knows women. Yeah, she does. So that's that's I mean, I think advice and, from from lesbians for hetero guys is probably yeah. pretty solid advice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It like w- when I mentioned this, I like tried to take a survey and like ask a lot of other mm-hmm. women about it and they're generally like agreeable to Did it. Did that get you anywhere just asking about their periods and tampons? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, some- yeah. I don't think so, but like at least I'm opening up the conversation sure. and maybe maybe this will help some Enormacast listener. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of which, this is a four-time you're a four-time Enormacast champion uh-huh. that has to that has to count for something yeah. out there in the dating world am yeah. i right uh yeah hopefully like it, it's either that or i'm i'm gonna have to start plugging alex to make a instagram post <laughs> didn't tommy hook up um wasn't that in the real rock tommy hooked up um adam uh, stack yeah adam yeah, yeah yeah i think um no i think alex put something. oh alex did yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah so that's that's not a bad call yeah so you, you're like leaning on your friends to like hook you up i mean that's always been the case though. yeah there's that, nothing wrong with that yeah it's you've best, always i mean that's just a standard issue is yeah. leaning on your friends for hookups yeah way better than like dating apps and stuff right like yeah and those things are kind of they're grim well four-time champ so if anybody out there is uh interested in uh you know a first date Either with or sans tampons, 
James is here for you. I'll have two for my nose. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening. And thanks to James Lucas for coming on the show, going deep. And that little tip about the uh, the tampons, uh, I don't know, maybe weigh in on that. Does that seem like a good idea? The nice thing about James Lucas is he really doesn't have anything to promote. I just went over and looked at his old blog, Life of a Walking Monkey, it's literally James Lucas blog spot. And uh, yeah, 2014, most recent post. So that's kind of dead. Suppose you could find him over there at Instagram. And if you do have a job for him or an interview for him, hit him up over there at Instagram. I'm sure he'd be happy to come in and interview for your phantom job that he doesn't really want. But I, for one, would love to sit in on a job interview with James Lucas. Okay, folks, be safe out there. It's summer. We're banging it out. It's hot. You start to get a little woozy out there in the heat. Maybe not paying attention. Little heat stroke creeping in. But of course, you have to pay attention. You have to be careful. Be kind to each other. Look out for each other and check your knots. Man, no babe is worth it, dude. No, no. Listen, hang with us, man. We'll teach you Bibles for right, the truth. Right. Lord, man, you can't even trust them, man. Because right, you know what's man. about? They spend your money and they tell That's their friends it. everything, everything. Man. It's about economics. That's valid, they man. tell them everything, That's man. Valid. All you got to do is find a girl who looks just like her, yeah. nail her, and then dump her, man. Dump her, Get her off your mind. Your only mistake is that you didn't dump her first. What? Diane Court is a show pony. I you need a stallion, my friend. <laughs> walk with us and you walk tall. Walk tall, my man. Bitches, man. Even give that kid a compliment. Hey, dude, I better bail. Right, for you, Luke. I got a question. You guys know so much about women. How come you're here at, like, a gas and sip on a Saturday night completely alone drinking beers? There's no women anywhere. By choice, man. That's yeah, right, man. It's a conscious choice. choice. It's a choice, man. Choosing to be here. I don't want to be here, man. I'm choosing it.